Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Happy to be going to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by our weekly guest and the Cardinals insider for the athletic. She's Katie Wu joining us here on the show. Katie, we appreciate the time as always for our weekly therapy session here on 101 ESPN. How are you doing today? It's about to be a rough one, Katie. It is about to be a rough one, you guys. Let's just start with like a deep breath. Inhale, exhale, and away we go. All right, let's start out with this, Katie. Um, I want to take our audience into the clubhouse from yesterday. We walk into the door and we ask all of the questions that everybody would expect us to ask. And the answers are basically what they've been for two months. And at this point, uh, unfortunately, they're actually saying that part out loud. I've been saying this for two months and nothing is changing. Did you feel like we have reached the point, Katie? Tell me if I'm reading this fairly or not that the Cardinals are running out of answers for what's going wrong for them. I think that's entirely fair. And I think that's, I mean, to say there's one problem for this team would be, would be silly. Right. But I think that is a main focal point is that this team from the players to the coaching staff to the front office does not have an answer because they have never been in a position like this, that when you think about John Mozilla's tenure, he's never had a losing record. You think about Adam Wainwright. He's never experienced losing like this. They have a new coaching staff, and this is not to say that the coaching staff is not preparing the players or giving them information. If anything, the players are the ones defending the coaching staff in that department. But the coaching staff doesn't know how to get out of this because this organization does not lose. And it's not like the Cardinals are one or two games under 500. They're 12. They're losing at an exponentially higher rate than they ever have in the last two decades. So I think it is very fair to say they don't have an answer. They've said it themselves. I'm looking at quotes from post-game yesterday. Adam Wainwright says, you know, don't know how many times we can sit here and answer the same question and, and say something different. You know, it's different. Nolan Arenado, we don't have an answer. And these are, these are things they've been saying for weeks. And at this point, on June 12th, if you still don't have an answer, to me, that's a glaring problem. Katie, one thing I'm curious about, and for those people that don't know, you you worked as a associate beat writer with the San Diego Padres back in 2018, and that team was really bad. Uh, yeah, you, you you saw that locker room, and now you're seeing this Cardinals locker room. Do you see any similarities between those two squads? You know, I see the the on the field similarities, which is the lack of execution. The fundamentals are poor. The decision-making is questionable. But they aren't executing. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the Cardinals runners and scoring position problems. But on the field, I, I can see the similarities. In the clubhouse, it is different because that 2018 Padres team expected to lose. They came in on opening day saying, you know, hey, this is we are where we are. The Cardinals came in on opening day 
division reigning champions, totally expected, fully expected to do that again, surely did not seem that they would ever be even be 500, let alone last place in the division. So it's almost worse because there's a difference between being a losing team and expecting to be a losing team. And then there's, you know, being a losing team when you were fully expected to win and compete. Um, I think the clubhouse for the Cardinals, I'm not at all suggesting they've given up, but I think they're really at, at a shock in this point, at a loss for words to explain what's gone wrong because they never expected to be in this position in the first place. Jose Perella was that team's cleanup hitter on opening day, Alex. He then spent one more year in the big leagues, which totaled 14 games. It has not been in the big league since. Well, sounds like a winner to me. <laughs> a, little, a little different than the Nolan Arnauto experience batting cleanup. Did Here you see him in May? Touche, touche. Well played, sir. Uh, Katie, you mentioned the Cardinals issues with runners in scoring position. We do have to discuss them. We were talking about this a little bit earlier today. Uh, It's brutal. Two for 22 in that series against the Reds over the weekend. Outside of a 14 game stretch where the Cardinals were 11 and three, they're batting 219 with runners in scoring position with a 380 slugging percentage in those situations. How do you explain this? Well, um, much like the Cardinals, I don't really have an explanation (laughs) for this because you look at the lineup and you see the names. You see Paul Goldschmidt, you see Nolan Arenado, you see Wilson Contreras, um, and you expect things to be better, and they haven't been. I mean, Nolan Gorman's had a great season. I don't think we should diminish that. But when you have a team that is constantly relying on production uh, from those big names and you have a team that is constantly pressing, I think the reoccurring theme last night was, the players felt like they had to play perfect baseball. That will not lead to good results. If anything, that will lead to the opposite of good results, which would be two for 22 with runners in scoring position, leaving 25 runners on base in the series. I think you're seeing a lot of pressing, and I thought it was interesting that Ali Marmel last night said that there was not anything out of the norm in the player's approach that he could spot, that it really just seems that this team is so discombobulated, so at a lack for words and and how to figure out what's going wrong that they feel this immense pressure to perform. And when you look at what the line's been doing lately, you can certainly understand why, because they haven't been doing too much. I do think Dylan Carlson coming back is a nice boost to that lineup. I think when Lars Newbar comes back, it'll be a big boost. But the Cardinals don't have time to wait anymore. So we can, you know, the front office can say, maybe when Tyler O'Neill comes back, we'll finally have that offense. Well, they can't afford to wait for those guys anymore. They have to figure out how to get production from their lineup now. And there is clear, an immense, clearly an immense amount of pressure on that lineup to produce now, play perfect baseball now, deliver that game-winning hit, the big hit, the power, the home run, whatever, now. And the more you put pressure on yourself to do that, the less likely it is to happen. That is just the nature of the game. That was the common theme. Ollie Marble, Adam Wainwright, Nolan Arnado last night all agreed. We have to play perfect baseball. That's how we feel because no matter what they do, the other teams are capitalizing on their mistakes. And if there is one thing I think we can all agree on, it would be that sentiment. The Cardinals keep finding ways to lose games and other teams capitalize on their mistakes. Sorry about that, Katie. What what I am curious about, though, moving forward is at what point do you say we have to do something? And I understand most comments of like, you, you can't do anything. If other teams around Major League Baseball don't want to make a trade, you can't make a trade. But there has to be some sort of step between now and August 1st on that trade deadline, because if you sit on your hands, like you said, and hope that sooner or later somebody brings a positive vibe to that clubhouse and it digs you out of this hole and you start this run, you're going to be 20-something games out of first place in the NL Central, which seems impossible for how bad this division is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what makes June so imperative. I ran a Q&A with John Mozeliak last week, and 
a lot of the consensus was, oh, he didn't say much. But I thought he actually did. I thought he was very uh, telling, if you really broke down the answers, that June is going to be the make-or-break month for this club because there needs to be outfield production regardless of who they have out there. I know the outfield right now, and Jordan Walker and left, Tommy Edmond in center, and Dylan Carlson in right is something none of us uh, would have predicted in spring. But they are trying desperately to find production there. What the Cardinals do in June will more or less dictate what they do in July in terms of buying or selling. It has been a minute since the Cardinals were a team that sold at the deadline. But the, the reason why Mo is set on finding change inside the organization in June is simply because in June you can't go find help. Those markets for starting pitching, for bench bats, for outfielders, for whatever the Cardinals may need, those haven't been established yet from the other 29 other organizations. This is not a market that just uh, sways on the Cardinals' need, of course. 29 other teams have needs, too. So throughout June, there's not much the organization can do except constantly shuffle who they have internally and figure out what the most production they can get from their current group is. What they do in that timeline will dictate how they approach July and what kind of help they go get outside of the organization. But I'm not sure what John Moselle is supposed to do externally I do think he has an immense amount of pressure to figure out a, some sort of winning combination internally. And if he can do that in June, well, maybe that's the answer. Maybe there isn't one. And Katie, I think for a lot of our audience, they would immediately go to go get pitching, go get pitching. Here's the problem, though. Since May 25th, this is the last 15 games for the Cardinals. Their rotation has a 3.03 ERA, which is the third best in all of baseball, better than the Rays, better than Texas, better than Houston, better than Philly, better than Milwaukee. And yet they're five and ten in that stretch. Their wins have come two to one, two to one in ten innings, two to one, one to nothing, and then Friday night when they won seven to four. It's yes, they do need starting pitching, but that hasn't even been like a top five problem for them over the course of their last fifteen games. I don't even know. Like, if you were to go do something, if you're John Mozeliak. I don't even know what you could theoretically do to solve their issues. They're just too great right now for any one move to to change things. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I thought the starting pitching has really picked it up lately, and then it's the offense that's faltered. But isn't that the story of the 2023 season? The starting pitching is good. The offense is not. The offense is great. The starting pitching is not. You get both of those things to work one game, the bullpen blows it. Those are all combinations of just a bad team. And when you're 12 games under 500, it's hard to make the argument that you are a good team. I'm not at all denying the, the talent or the individual success of this organization and the players in it. I think that's why it makes this season so unfathomable is that the Cardinals and the fans believe that there is talent on that roster. We've seen it. It's not like it's a completely different roster from 2021 and 2022, both playoff teams. But when you're looking at how to fix it, well, I'm not quite sure where you would start either because you can pick any sort of area and they've all underperformed at some point. That's, again, why I think June is going to be so important because it's going to figure out, again, one, if the Cardinals have enough internally to write their own ship, or two, if they don't, what's their area of biggest need, not for this season, but for 2024 and 2025 and going forward. I'm not at all suggesting a rebuild. I think that's the one thing the Cardinals will not do this year. But there's going to be a point where if they don't start winning soon, the focus turns to what can we do next season and the season beyond to make sure this never happens again. I was just going to follow up with that, Katie. I'm asking you. I'm not asking you as John Mozeliak. I'm asking you as Katie Wu. At what point do you say it's time to start selling off some assets? I would say the middle of July because by then you have an idea of what your team is and what the division is. 
And I know it's a little more difficult with the NL Central because there is not someone just clearly running away with it. It's more competitive in terms of all the teams are about the same, but no one's really running away with it like the Rays are in the AL East. But also by the middle of July, you know the market price for areas. You know teams are talking, front offices are talking. You know what it's going to take to land a starter or another outfielder or uh, what it's going to take to maybe even what other teams are going to be interested in people that you have or pieces that you have. So by the middle of July, right after the All-Star break, is when you really expect things to start ramping up. I think that is when the Cardinals will truly make their decision. And let's not forget, they're also in a position where they could do both, where they could you know, make a big trade and move a key piece but land pieces that still somewhat keep them in contention, it's a very tricky place that the Cardinals are in. But I would suggest, or if I had my best guess, middle of July, right after the All-Star break, I think we'll have a pretty clear sight on what the Cardinals might be doing come the trade deadline. You can read Katie's wrap-up from this weekend over at The Athletic right now. You can follow her on Twitter, at Katie J. Wu, to find all of her great work right there. Katie, we appreciate the time. As always, my friend, we'll talk with you again next week. You got it, guys. Talk soon.